I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Did you know that Wix.com is used by more than 84 million people worldwide? That's a ridiculous number. I didn't make it up. Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business and they make it real simple. You go sign up for free, use one of their customizable templates Drop in your images. You don't need to hire a designer or any of that stuff. Yeah, you can just do it yourself with Wix.com. So go today. It's fast and easy. Send us a link to your new site, and we'll talk about it on the air if you made it with Wix.com. Don't try to cheat on that. Can't wait to see what you make. Wix.com, W-I-X.com. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, what's up? Welcome back to Rebel Radio. If you missed last week, it was our one-year anniversary episode with the great Claude Von Stroke. Go back and check that out. And this week, we're back with Eddie Cruz, co-founder of Undefeated, the uh, famed sneaker shop and streetwear line all over the world. He's on with my sometimes co-host, Adam Weissman from Stussy and from the band Pollen. If you, uh, if you like Adam, go back and check out our, our episode with him and Roy Choi from a few months back. I think you'll like that, too. Eddie's going to give us some great insights into his journey from the Bronx to the uh, beginning of the streetwear business where he and James Jebbia from Supreme were both working at the same store and they kind of learned the business from the from the streets, if you will, to uh, moving to L.A. And, and opening one of the most important boutiques in, in streetwear around the world. Um, he's now got, I think it was seven or he'll tell you, he's got stores all over the place. He's going to put us up on some Emerging trends, the return of zines in, in fashion, and, uh, and how he goes about staying out of jumping on trends and really making sure the brand stands for something. We're also going to get a sneak preview into the new brand, UNDD, 
and learn more about that. So more with Eddie Cruz from Undefeated right after our EDM.com track of the week. Yeah, that was Code Heads and 32 Stitches with the track Roadrunner, your EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out more great dance music. And now let's hear from Eddie Cruz and Adam Weissman. Um, but but where, how'd you get into music? Was Where's that come from? Did um, you always... I mean, music has always been part of the industry that I'm in. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it was like the driving force in terms of, you know, kids coming in. Um, you know, but were you into music, like as a kid, were you, uh, Yeah, like I thing? was, uh, you know, I don't know if I told you this, but I, I, I had a, you know, I was into a style of music called Latin hip hop. Mm -hmm. They also called it uh, freestyle. Mm -hmm. uh, bands like TKA, Noel. Nice. Uh, Expose, Color yeah. Girls, like yeah. K7, yeah, exactly. Because he sent me, I just found out that he knows my cousin, so he sent me a, a birthday song. He sang happy birthday to me in a song, and I was like, wow. Is that right? In the 80s, he was a big inspiration on me and my crew. That's dope. Um, so from from that aspect, I mean, yeah, like because I, I was just going to the clubs, and I was like super inspired by that music. Yeah. So I, of course, tried to do that music, but, yeah. you know, failed at it. You were trying to make music? I was trying to make music. Oh, yeah. shit. I had a little crew called Code 2 with a K. And, um, you know, we had a synthesizer, we had a MIDI four track, Yeah. you know, we, we had a, you know, echo, you know, we had all that stuff, whatever was available right. to us, everything on credit card, me and my boy David, um, and we were writing music and making beats and we'd bring in people who we thought were singers to try to sing and we uh -huh. try to shop it. There was a guy named Andy Panda Tripoli. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Nah. So Andy Panda Tripoli, like he was the king, like he was like the, the number one producer of that whole genre, produced like Cover Girls, okay. Expose, like, so. This is out of New York? He's out of New York, yeah. But you were in New York at the I time? I was in the Bronx, yeah. Okay. I'm born and raised in the Bronx. I okay. came to L.A. in, like, the early 90s, so. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, like, my first, like, like real passion for it. Um, while hip-hop was going on, uh, you know, the Puerto Ricans, like, we were making Latin hip-hop. Yeah, and that's sure. what we were supporting, you know? Sure. Um, so that was our answer to hip hop. It was called Latin hip hop, more of a freestyle feel. In fact, I think like, like if you listen to uh, Unfinished Symphony uh, by Massive Attack, mm -hmm. is that that song? Is that yeah. that incredible yeah. song? 
Yeah, like that that beat. Like, dun, 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 dun. no, like, I forget how. How would you even describe it? I think it's the drum and the bass. Yeah, it's yeah. just a certain. It's just like a certain way to dance, and mm-hmm. it's kind of romantic. Uh, it's sort of like it was sort of like Latin R and B, in a way. Yeah, like like it yeah. was their version of like yeah, you know yeah, sort of dancier. Yeah, yeah. And R&B. there was one dude named Noel. Okay. Who really stood out? Noel Pagan, a Puerto Rican cat. Uh, good-looking dude, green eyes, you know, Puerto Ricans didn't have green eyes, and we didn't have straight hair, uh-huh. so this guy's up on stage, really inspired by Depeche Mode. Okay. I was really into Depeche Mode as well, like in the 80s. Uh, he was super inspired by Depeche Mode, but uh, he when he came out and did it, that really, like, like showed me, like, oh, man, this is cool. Like, you don't, like, you, you come from the Bronx, you come from the hood, uh, you don't have to dress like this, you, you don't have to dress like that. You could actually... Break out of that. He had he would have right. an MC jacket on, a white tee, Levi's with MC boots, and I had never seen like that's not how Puerto Ricans or people were dressing in the Bronx. And this kid from the Bronx uh, was up on stage at 1018. Yeah, if you've ever heard of 1018, which is formerly the Roxy. Okay, yeah. So the Roxy was a roller skating rink, which turned into a hip hop club eventually. It was like a the melting pot. Uh, it was like a melting pot, you know, like kids from uptown, kids from downtown. Uh, punk, it was like punk and, and, and hip hop were like clashing, and but everyone was getting together, and it was a uh, it was an awesome scene. Mm-hmm. That was in the Bronx. That was in Manhattan. Okay, like, I, that's the thing. Like I was telling him, I was telling Adam, um, even though I was I was coming up while hip hop culture was evolving, I was also at the same time trying to avoid it because it reminded me of where I came from, and I was trying to escape the Bronx. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So they would have these jams everywhere, and all my boys were like, yo, we're going to this jam at the park. And what that means, if you don't know what a jam is, you know, like one crew would set up on one side, another crew would set up on the other side, you'd plug into the lamppost, and then they'd have these battles. I wasn't, maybe I went to one or two, but for the most part, I was like, nah, the same me, I want to get out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really interested in seeing what was going on in Manhattan, which was a big deal for a Bronx. Sure, kid, you know, for sure. When you're born in the Bronx and you're raised in the Bronx, you usually end up going to school in the Bronx, right. working in the Bronx, and dying in the Bronx. Yeah, It's like the 70s over there. Even even now, when I go back, I feel like it's the only part of New York that, um, that still has that old school feeling. You know, people playing dominoes outside the grocery mm-hmm. stores. And, mm-hmm. um, kids not really caring too much about, like, all these trends that are going on in terms of fashion and stuff. It's... I think people are just keeping it real. You know? Interesting. It's just, it's just poor people who work hard. Yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily dangerous. It's a little intimidating. I could see that, especially mm-hmm. like me. Now I live in Cali. I live in in in, in, in Cushy Glendale. <laughs> you know, so my dad lives uh, in this really rough neighborhood in, in the Bronx, Pell Parkway area. Okay. But in reality, everybody's working. Yeah. And everybody just looks uh, threatening. But the yeah. fact is, uh, it's all good. Yeah. Know? So. Yeah. It's funny. Um, well, you know, I know you're you're now a fashion mogul. We're gonna call you. 
Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, the way you present yourself, the way you look, right? It it says so much about who you are, even though that's that's not always true, yeah. right? And so, um, you know, you could put on that uniform, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. I remember we went. I took my wife to Belize for our anniversary yeah. when you're and and we're we're in this little small town in Belize, yeah. like a village. No, no paved roads, no, you know, chain hotels, none of that. And the dudes there are all gangstered out, like in Belize. In Belize, right? And they're they're like, you know, jeans. I mean, shorts hanging off. Yeah. And uh, they look like gangsters, you know, from ten years ago here, mm. and super nice. Yeah. They 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 don't even know what a gangster is, yeah. but that's the uniform. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? They were inspired by the fashion of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually that's usually like how things go now for sure know, so yeah and i was even even back to the bronx i was watching rubble kings rubble did you, kings did you watch it um yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it was good yeah but even then the fashions just you know jumped out for me like that was part of yeah you know that the was story more 70s, was amazing right? right like 70s early 80s yeah. yeah i was like i was super young when that was going on but for sure. i can distinctly remember um like just Everyone wearing like cut off Levi jackets with gang, you know, right. like gang names on the back, like Black Spades, yep. Savage Nomads, the Javelins, uh, the Latin Skulls. Uh-huh. It was it was crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, so I definitely I definitely grew up around that. So what made you? I mean, it's it's a little, you know. I think I, I think it's interesting to say that you know you wanted to to get away from that and see what else was going on out there. Like yeah. that seemed like. Most of your friends were probably not thinking that way. No, most of them weren't. Most of them were, um, and I'm not dissing anybody, but a lot of people were smoking, you know, they were doing drugs, sure. were smoking weed. There was definitely, like, if you're in the Bronx, like, there's no hope. Like, right. it's just, you know, when I graduated high school, the first thing my mom and dad handed me were applications to, like, hey, here, become a sanitation right. department worker. Yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. For sure. But it was about, hey, get a good, you know, get your high school diploma, get a good job, with benefits yeah. and that's what it was all about yeah, yeah. so i was i i filled out department of sanitation i filled out post office i filled out fdny i filled out nypd wow. in fact i almost became a cop you're kidding yeah i went through i went through the whole process and uh some there was a, something went wrong what was the turning point in terms of what like what made you not go down that path uh just man this is going to sound really corny but I was working for a shoe store called National Shoes when I was 16 years old. My brother was the manager, so he brought me in. And that kind of, there was a dude there that just dressed dope every day, like the right tie, uh, really inspired by the movie American Gigolo. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know if you guys remember that, but yeah, Richard Gear, like Richard his gear, like that movie had a real impact on like kids, like in general, like, oh yeah. man, you can dress like that? And did that exist? And then yeah. that's, I think that's when I first learned about the magazine GQ. Uh-huh. So I would start yeah, buying GQ. So for me, buying GQ was a big deal. Yeah. So um, I was well, I was just going through the pages, looking at advertisements, um, seeing a, seeing brands like, oh man, there's all these stores, like, but they're not in in the Bronx, and I didn't understand what was going on. You know, I was mm-hmm. just shopping at like all these mom and pop like disco shops. Mm-hmm. You know, get my polyester pants and my dress shirts, right. etc. And uh, I would have to say, yeah, G- GQ was like the porthole to like escaping the Bronx and take getting on a train and actually like going to Soho and visiting like stores like Comme des Garcons yeah. and Isimiyaki and Matsuda. And I ended up begging for a job at a place called Parachute. 
Okay. Yeah. Right? And Parachute is a Canadian brand. Uh-huh. And in the 80s, um, it was on some high fashion military tip. Um, and it was the coolest place to work. I applied three times. And I finally went in. And how old are you now? Uh, maybe I was like 17 years old. Okay. 18, you know. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll say 18 years old. Um, yeah, so... It was just the coolest place to work. Like, if you got what I what what really attracted me about this place, Parachute, was they were using all the employees as models. Right. So when you're a 17, 18 year old kid, that's really impressionable. You're like, whoa! If I work there, I can be in a magazine potentially. And that's actually what was happening. You know, I got to I got to do a photo shoot, and um, it's funny because uh, it was Keith Herring was involved. Mm-hmm. I put my head through this Keith Herring piece that he did, um, and that was the photo shoot. Yeah, that's cool. So, and I got to meet Keith Herring, obviously. I mean, yeah. every and, and that was like my introduction to like, yeah, you know what? I finally escaped the Bronx. I realized, you know, like there's definitely more, more out there. You know, um, you can you can get stuck. You can become super provincial minded sure. if you don't yeah. if you don't break that barrier. And you know, luckily, like I said, like I, I had some people around me who were fashion conscious, introduced me to things like you know magazines like GQ and stuff like that and yeah just uh figured it out yeah and so did you know from then obviously you you know you were thinking about music before that and yeah and police work like did you know like from that moment was there you know was there a moment where like the light clicked on you're like this is what i'm gonna do um yeah i mean a store i mean i'll just fast forward to 1989 uh, a store called union opened Mm-hmm. in Soho, mm-hmm. and uh, Union was, in my opinion, the first store in America to, to, to offer clothing for like-minded people like myself, like kids that were into new shit, mm-hmm. you know, shit that you couldn't just find anywhere in an environment that played really good music, like mm-hmm. they were very conscious of the music. So that was the first time I had ever experienced that because all the retail shops I had worked for, they were just playing radio. Right. You know, but in this store, the music was created, cu- excuse me, curated. So, um, yeah, like like Union, and when I and I started managing Union, um, and then eventually I became a buyer for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, that's back up. Sure. When before Union opened, you were yeah, this one, this shit. Like I guess, how did you do you know the story of how Union sort of came about? Yeah, that came totally out of do. you guys. Yeah. So basically, one of my best friends, um, and I'm like, I don't mean to name drop, but he, he owned him. You know, okay. His name is James Jebbia. Um, him and I met when we were 18. We both applied at Parachute the same week. Oh, funny. And we got the job the same week. And we were like, hey, look at you, you blonde, you know, you, you blue-eyed British man and like this Puerto Rican kid from the Bronx. Like, yeah. it's, you know, we hit it off. Um, this guy was super ambitious. Um, definitely showed me like what a good work ethic is. He was the best salesman in the store. He made the most commission, mm. which explains why he's Mr. Supreme today. <laughs> you know, he always had that drive and ethic. Right. So we had a really cool boss. His name was Morgan Allard. Um, he let James, while he was managing the parachute store, eventually we became managers of these stores. Mm-hmm. Just to let you know, I mm-hmm. fast forward to that as well. Okay. Um, so he let James start a flea market business. Uh, and in Soho, like they'd have, they they were on Prince, uh, excuse me, on Worcester and Spring. There's a there's a seven day a week flea market there. It's still set up okay. today. You can go there today, and it's still there. Yeah. So James actually got a booth, 
and was just buying stuff in the garment district and reselling it. And eventually he started producing his own clothes. And how him and I became really connected was my mom had a factory mm. on 38th and 7th and uh, she was doing all the production for him. Like he was making, it was during the Daisy Age, like when Soul okay. to Soul yep. and uh, De La Soul and all that stuff was popping off. Uh, that was real inspiring to him. Right. Uh, the the name of the first brand was called uh, Blast. Okay. And it stood for Blast from the past because everything felt '60s because yeah. it was like the Daisy Age. Like yeah. really, like Hippie. that's you know it's crazy. Like a lot of people don't. I don't know if people think about that, but uh, De La Soul had a had a real impact, like on on, on hip hop culture. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Tell me, mirror, what is wrong? Can it be my daylight clothes or is it just my daylight style? What I do ain't make believe. People say I sit and travel. When it comes to being daylight, it's just me, myself, and I. I. It's just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. one of the first they were one of the first groups to to shift away from like Eric B and Rakim they were like sound they were alternative and, yeah they were more alternative they were and, and it was it was I don't want to call it smarter to say you know Eric B and Rakim were doing dumb shit mm -hmm. but it, it just was more conscious rap you know mm -hmm. with, with incredible beats you know and more fun like well this doesn't have to be so serious yeah. all the time you know and that's yeah. what we liked about it but it, it really inspired uh like James and his partner and, and the people at, at the flea market and union, whatever. But so really it all started at a flea market <laughs> business because, uh, you know, we're all poor, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, we're not, no, no one was born with money. Sure. Um, but, but how do you get it? You gotta, you gotta grind, you know? So he figured out a way to do it. And, and the easiest way to, to make his way through like his life or career was starting this flea market business, making his own product. He completely understood that um, it's all about markup. You make it for six, you sell it for 30. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a quadruple five times markup. And, right. you know, you're doing two grand a day. You're, you're Eventually you have 50 grand saved. Uh, and then friends come together and maybe throw in some money to help you open up the store. Mm -hmm. And that was the community we had back in the late 80s, early 90s. And hence Union Open. Yeah. But it, it stemmed from a flea market. So where where wow. was the jump from like sort of this like blast from the past to what Union eventually opened with, which was which was probably more T-shirts, hats, outerwear. Believe it or not. Or was Union different at the beginning? It was different at the beginning because um, I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about streetwear a little bit. But uh, streetwear really didn't exist. There was no term streetwear. Right. You know, it was just uh, so what you what Union started out was with a bunch of British brands, you know, like a brand called Duff of St. George. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, I wish I could remember the other Mook, ones. Mooks? Yeah, Mooks was actually an Australian okay. brand. Okay. We, we touched that a little bit. Um, it was very 60s mod. It's like a mod, right. like a real mod feeling. And it was cool. Like that at that time, like Delight mm -hmm. was happening. Like they were shopping in there. Yeah. Um, the De La Soul kids were coming in. The, the Diggable, Diggable Planet kids were coming in because there was nothing. I mean, it just did not exist. Right. You know? Yeah. How did, and, how did word get out? There was no internet either. Well, James, you know, was, was smart. He was, he was taking out small ads 
you know, because back in the day, yeah, there was no internet. Right. You have to take ads. You have to earn it. And yeah. uh, kids were into the art of discovery. They were mm-hmm. just into like, you can't see it anywhere, so you got to walk around. And, you know, word, you know it, was, it was really about word of mouth. You know? Yeah, I think there's an interesting shift you're talking about, like where, you know, because we're probably close to the same age. And, you know, I was I discovered GQ as Thank a teenager. <laughs> um, but, you know, I remember that where, like, there was definitely fashion coming from the streets or, or, or like, being dictated from the streets. Yeah. But I think, you know, at the same time, it was coming from movies, from magazines, right? And that was, it was a lot less clear yeah. than maybe now yeah. where, like, there's this streetwear industry and yeah. there's this, you know, all these blogs and whatever can tell you what to wear Yeah, um, that's just for the streets, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, I wonder where that sort of, that that shift occurred. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you. Okay. I mean, so basically, uh, you're right. There were no specific street, there were no specific clothing brands made for kids who go to clubs and hang out on the streets. Right. You have to be inventive. You have to be inventive yeah, what, what existed. Right. You just push it together. Like you were rocking Lee, Lee jeans with sewn down seams. Right. You were rocking the right Pumas. You were rocking the right Adidas shell toes or the Stan Smiths or mm-hmm. uh, Air Force Ones, whatever it may be. Um, I said Timberlands, right? Yeah, yeah, Tim, yeah, Tim's was a big deal. North Face jackets, yep. Helly Hansen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just had your own sense of style. Morel boots. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I thought, I mean, that was like a, a glorious time. Yeah. But f- from a business perspective, what I like what was happening was so younger kids started to realize like, man, like all these, all these brands are like, this is what all our kids are, are rocking, like in the hood, uptown, Brooklyn, yeah. wherever it may be. Why don't we just start making stuff for ourselves, you know, in a real way? And, and, we, and they didn't, we didn't want to call it streetwear. No right. one wanted to call it streetwear. That's just the name that came a little bit later. And I blame Carl Kanai mm-hmm. and and I don't want to. I don't want to say Nietzsche and Mecca and Fatfarm. I, I blame them yeah. for the term streetwear and for kind of ruining like this cool underground scene that was happening. Mm-hmm. And you know, for yeah, because those were, guys they were more hip hop clothing. Yeah, they right. those those yeah. clothes were just like, hey, let's just let's make money. And, yeah. and before you know, that's, sure. that's what that Take felt it like mainstream. to me. But, that's before what that, that union like was a collection of you know, you were like, oh, Delight and Diggable Planets are. Yeah, quite different if yeah. you look at you know their fan base. And yeah, it was sort right. of this, you know, union was a group of people coming together. It wasn't only hip hop. It was yeah, it was you know a mix. Yeah, it was. Adam Weissman, what are you wearing around this time? Uh, I don't. I, I mean, I. Well, you were young. I was young. By that, I was really into Stussy. Okay. Like when Stussy came out, yeah. was like a huge. Huge deal. And I was definitely influenced by what was going on hip hop wise, mm-hmm. but I could never pull it off. Like, I remember when everyone was in, into wearing overalls. Right. Like, I had a pair and I never wore them. Yeah. Uh, when, when everyone was in, like, to the um, black college sweatshirts, uh-huh. like, I remember taking my dad to, like, every champs sports <laughs> in, like, the city, and I bought one and I never wore it because I was like, like it, it's not me. Like yeah. So, you know, there, Stussy was the one that made sense to me, for some, you know. Yeah. And, and Union went like before before the Stussy store opened. Right. I would go to Nordstrom because they would they had a huge Stussy selection. Okay. And I remember even 
you know, as that was going on and the guys that, the guys who worked at Nordstrom, I had like a, a guy there that would be like, yo, we're getting this in, you know, I'll, I'll save I'll save it for you. Uh-huh. And I'd like either take the bus down Pico to the West Side Pavilion or I'd get my mom or whatever to, to like take me over there at some point. But then I remember the guy there was like, oh, there's a Stussy store in Laguna Beach. Oh, wow. Like, and I remember I went there once. Like, we were, we were in Laguna Beach for something else. And I was like, I had to, like, beg my dad, like, can you just, like, just wait in the car or, like, let everyone wait in the car, come in with me, like, you know. And then when the store opened in L.A., it was like, all right, I don't have to go to Nordstrom. Like, I remember the guy, yeah. like, oh, they're opening a store. Um I was probably like 15. I don't think I could drive. I was yeah. 14 or 15 yeah. at the time, but I used mm-hmm. to go in like I think right when it opened. Yeah. And and that was that that it was cuz what the Stussy store or Stussy Union when it first opened had the music that I was listening to and yeah. it had like the the staff was like like the cool kids that you wanted to sort of hang out with that knew that were up on things that, you know, sort of in a way like you'd go to a blog now. Yeah. You'd go in hang out with like Dace yeah. and Edwin and yeah. like they'd, mm-hmm. they'd put you yeah, on. Those were the like, chat rooms, like the, right. the clothing yeah. stores that were opening up. Yeah. Well, and that's what it was so different. Like I remember, you know, it, I think it was so different walking into a store and seeing your peers behind the counter. Yeah. Right. And I remember, so I grew up in San Francisco and like yeah. all the girls worked at Esprit. Yeah. Like all the girls from our high school, like that was like the cool summer job or yeah. whatever after school job. Like, so, you know, you, I wasn't wearing a spree, but like that yeah. was like the thing, right? Yeah. But but for the most part, like you'd go into a store, I'd go shop at Macy's for the stuff I saw at GQ, and it's like some old lady, it's like my mom waiting on me and like yeah. asking me, you know, are you gonna buy something or can you get out of here? Like, yeah. And so I think, you know, this part of that streetwear thing yeah. was like being around peers. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's still kind of the same today. And that yeah. that's, you know, I've, I always said that, like, uh, how could I how could I live my lifestyle? How could I start a business, but at the same time live my lifestyle? Yeah. And was uh, that was that a thought early on? That was a thought early on. Okay. Like, I just always wanted to. I mean, I've been really fortunate. You know, yeah. I've been able to. I mean, I'm not a. I mean, I'm, I'm not making millions. Um, I'm just making a nice living, but mm-hmm. I'm also getting to live my lifestyle without compromising, like what I believe in. You That's know? huge. So. Um, for me, you know, like that's that was that was key. Yeah. You know, and I think it's a good model for kids like today, like if they want to like for sure. know, build a foundation, start a brand, but like get behind it, you know, like make it like be about it. Yeah. You know. Big shout out to our sponsors at Wix.com. Thank you to Wix for supporting the Rebel Radio show. And the rest of you, you need a website. For your business, your personal portfolio, whatever your hustle is, you need a site that you can send around. You don't need to spend a bunch of money hiring a designer, a coder, all that stuff. Just go to Wix.com. There's hundreds of templates you can choose from. It's real easy to customize. Drop in all your images, your text, all that stuff. And the result is a great looking website that you made yourself for free. And it's fast and easy. So save a bunch of time, money. And all that, get it done. There's no credit card required or none of that hassle. You can get your website live today. Wix.com, W-I-X.com. So uh, just talk about how the the vision sort of crystallized. Was it like, 
you know, I'm curious how much of the stuff you knew sort of from the beginning as you look back or how much of it is like lessons you've picked up along thing, like, the way. That's the thing, like... No one knew anything, man. It was just it was just evolving. It was just yeah. happening, you know. Um, let me take you back a little bit, uh, like a little bit before what Adam was talking about, like when L.A. opened up Stussy, because Union was the first, one of the first stores on the East Coast to carry Stussy. Right. So Stussy, excuse me, Union introduced Stussy to like New Yorkers. Like that. that's what really put it in kids' heads. Mm-hmm. And then we started seeing brands like, oh, man, Fresh Drive. What right. is that? Yeah. You know, like, what is this? It was all coming from the West Coast. And we were, and people on the East Coast were super receptive to it. Con Art, a brand mm-hmm. called Con Art. Remember Con Art? Mm-hmm. Um, pervert. Yeah, well, Pervert was coming out of Miami. Right. But a lot of, a lot of, a lot of it, I mean, if I had to say, I mean, if I had to, to, to pick a, a place where hip hop really started, it really started on the West Coast. And it probably started with Stussy because. You mean modern, like sort of this. Well, yeah, like it was like the first brand outside of like a major corporation, right? Without without being like North Face or anything like that, to to like take a chance and do things. Like, sure, it came from Surf Roots, but because mm-hmm. of who the designer was, like it, it was about his lifestyle. This guy was traveling. This guy was into music. Yeah, this guy was a dope artist, and he loved dressing up. So, like, he's another. He's a perfect example. Like Sean did get to live his lifestyle through his business. You sure. Know? So, um. Yeah, so so Stussy was definitely a, a big inspiration. I think I think what I don't know is interesting about Stussy is it it sort of mirrored the music. Mm-hmm. It was this DIY thing where it was sampling from from high and low yeah. the same way you'd make a rap song and yeah. sample from different records and yeah. put it together and make something that was unique and that was sort of what what Stussy was doing. Yeah, and it would you know people could sort of look at, look at yeah. it and find something that they, yeah. that spoke to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then from a New York perspective, kids getting inspired with, 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 with kids being inspired by like Stussy and by, you know, pervert and all mm-hmm. that stuff. We'd have kids walking into the shop with boxes of, of their new clothing brand. Right. Like P- the PNB nation guys. I don't know yeah, if you yeah. remember that brand. Sure. Nation. Like once upon a time, that was just a really tiny, you know, conscious brand. Yeah. That was amazing, and we were just everything was COD back in the day, mm-hmm. especially with these young brands. You know, uh, Futura would walk in with Stash and say, "Yo, here's two boxes. We just we just did these Phillies blunt tees, and we're like, okay, we'll take them." So mm-hmm. we were buying. We were like literally a lot of our buying was from kids coming in with their new brands from the streets. Right, and I mean that was that was cool, and which it was is like, pretty much unheard of. Like at yeah. least at that time, yeah. like you didn't do that. It you didn't walk into Macy's. No, and go, let no, me no, show. No, let me no. show the buyer my new yeah. collection. No, but everyone knew Union was the platform. Like if you made it into Union, it, it kind of yeah. co-signed your brand, yeah. and then you got to go other places, and then eventually other boutiques around the country started opening, mm-hmm. which is what brought me to LA. To be honest with you, okay, yeah. So why did you move here? Um, business opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I learned everything I could learn from James and working at Union and the Stussy shop was open in New York as well. So I was bouncing back and forth between there. Um, I had a friend who moved here. I was visiting her quite a lot and I actually fell in love with the city. Nice. Like the city completely uh, seduced me. Yeah. Um, as she come, does. Yeah. When, when you come from the Bronx and everything is, you know, pavement and dirty and loud and 
and you're here in the early 90s, and it was really vacant yeah. in the early 90s. I'm sure, I don't know if you guys remember. For sure. But like, it was like you could walk blocks and not see people. Um, now, oh, yeah. now that's completely changed. But um, so that's that's what brought me out. And I saw a void in the market. I mean, there was a store called Funk Essentials mm-hmm. on Third Street. Uh, they were carrying Stussy. They were carrying Fresh Jive and all that stuff. Right. But we were going to do something different. We were going to do something called the Stussy Union. We were going to combine yeah. two stores, a brand which wasn't large enough to have its own store yet, Stussy. And a store called Union, which carried multi, which, which was a multi-brand store. Mm-hmm. Um, on one side of the store, we had uh, photographs by this LA-based photographer Mike Miller, mm-hmm. which is who Stussy used quite a lot back sure. then. Was that his name, Mike? Yeah, Miller? Mike. Mike yep. Remember Mike Miller? Yeah. Yeah. So um, one side of the store would be Mike Miller representing Stussy. The other side of the store would be Futura. Futura did ten beautiful pieces, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember we paid like five hundred dollars each. Um, because back in the day, that's cool. It was just it was. Yeah. that's just how it was. Like, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I don't want to get into art, but like all the art you end up owning is from your peers. Yeah, and then they end up being something, you right. know, which is really cool. Yeah, you know? for sure. I still have those ten pieces, by the way. Yeah, they're worth more than five hundred. I don't know now. what they're worth, but I, I love them. I mean, the colors yeah. are crazy, and his, uh, you know, just the way he just did everything with his break hand, like that thin was unbelievable to me. Yeah. So um, we came out here. and We did the Stussy Union. Um, extra large was out here. Right. Triple five um, soul. Wasn't triple five. Yet, but it was, they were coming. They triple were coming. five soul was coming. They they opened up on Martell and Beverly. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and I while I had the store open, I was embracing all these stores. Like I was visiting them all the time. I was like, cool, a community right. is starting to develop. You know, like now we just need to get some parties going. And parties started to occur. Like there was one called Kings Road. Mm-hmm. Is it Kings Road? I forget what it was, but there was a place called there was a bar called Kings Road or something. In fact, Orlando used to have something to do with it. It was like the equivalent of Giant Step. It's like Brass. Oh, Brass. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, Brass. Brass, But you'd go, it was just a bunch of, like, it felt like a backpacker situation. Not many girls were there. (laughs) Um, Like every hip-hop party I went to back in the early days, even in New York, though, like women were kind of afraid of it. I think it was a bit aggressive, potentially. Maybe not the music so much. They probably loved the music, but the dudes. Yeah. Were probably a bit aggressive, Definitely. so that was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, like uh, Beastie Boys were out here. Yeah, um, Cypress Hill really had an inspiration on me because in New York it crossed it crossed over to New York because I in, coming from New York you just did not like West Coast rap, right? You know, and that's sure. not an insult. It's just it's just it's just yeah. a taste. It's like no, I I I live and I breathe this East Coast right. sound, and if you're from the West Coast, it's a completely you know, it was like a yay and all that stuff. And it was NWA. And, and I didn't appreciate that stuff until like the late 90s, to be honest with you. You know, yeah. I was fighting it all the way. I was like, no, I want to bring that East Coast shit to, to L.A. You know, right. I want to introduce it here. But mix it mix it with, you know, the stuff that was happening. So House of Pain, mm-hmm. uh, Cypress Hill, uh, Souls of Mischief. Far Side. Far side, like that was telling me, like, oh man, there's something brewing right now. Hey, don't miss out on what you're passing, you're missing the hooda of the funky Buddha. I know that I'm your fucked up style to get wicked. So come on, it's like we're starting to kick it. Cause we're like the outlaw sky, it was like a hide it. Jump behind the bush when they see me driving by.
mean, I don't want to curse or nothing, but it was like one no, big pussy waiting to get fucked. Yeah. That's how I looked at it. And I come from New York, and everything in New York is like fast, fast. Every, you got to get in every place fast. You got to do everything fast. When I came out here, it was like, man, when I would go to the bank, I would go crazy because the tellers were so bloody slow. You know, so I was like, okay, cool. I got to figure out a plan to, to like speed this up and run yeah. circles. I felt, I felt like, man, this is, I have an advantage right now. I've got this like New York energy and I was yeah. going to New York like every three months and then bringing that energy back. And I, and I just, just shit started to happen, you know? Yeah. How important is that? Like, you know, being, uh, kind of like you're saying, like the, the energy is so different, right? So how much do you have to adapt yourself to fit LA or, or, or is it bringing that New York does that make the difference? Well, are we talking about the 90s or currently? I'm just talking about, like, I'm wondering where the, whether, like, was it more, did it work in your favor to be kind of an outsider, bring in your own style here, or, or was a, it more about adapting? That's a great question, and you answered the question for me. Yeah, I think it was to my advantage. I was yeah. like that new kid. Uh, that East Coast kid, oh shit, you know, like let's go check out this East Coast kid, right? Because there weren't many of us out here, yeah, you know. Um, yeah. But all my friends started visiting, and eventually everybody moved out here, right? So <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, and and, and on, on the real, like the first two to three years, maybe you never knew this, but I bloody hated it here. I was like, I can't. I was like begging my partner James. I was like, Yo, bro. And Supreme opened in 94. When Supreme opened, I was like, okay, there's my opportunity right. to get my ass back Go to New back. York, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just didn't happen. And eventually I adapted, and then I just started to feel like more culture was coming. It started to feel more international. Mm -hmm. um, the trade shows were here, mm -hmm. which was cool. Like ASR was a big deal back yeah, in the day. Sure. Magic was a big deal. I don't even know if they do ASR anymore. But no, I think it's... This is a wrap. I think it's, it's, it's just and, and, agenda and, now, right? When did the sneakers start popping oh, yeah. up? So the, that's, yeah. that's so, a big part. So, you've, so yeah. when I had the Stussy Union, eventually the space next door to me became available. So right. I, and then Stussy's brand got a little bigger. Yeah. Stussy can afford to be in its own. It could have its own environment. So I basically split up the environment. So I, I kept Stussy <coughs> separated. And yep. Union had its own shop now. And um, What was the question again? Sneakers. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, sneakers. So at Union... Um, which I built for like 15, 17 grand. A friend of mine, Barbara Bester, wow. who's a prominent, she's like a well-known architect now, but at the time, you know, she was like really humble. I was like, look, I got like 15K. Yeah. And she found this Unistrut system. Remember that green system? Yeah. And uh, she, yeah, they use this at airport warehouses. I was like, sure, let's do it, you know? So um, she built me a store. It was, it was kind of cool, you know? I got this artist, Costa Ceremonies. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. He was, before, before he blew up, he came in, he did these three characters. Um, you know, music was important. I put an office on top, first time I ever had an office. Because I was literally working at the Stussy shop right. 365 days a week. I don't a know year. if you remember, a year. Yeah. I worked at that shop, the Stussy Union shop, 365 days a year, maybe maybe for two years. Wow. You know, because it was my, my first business and, yeah. you know, I was just about it. And I felt like I needed to be there to handle everything and, and well, correspond with people. You know, I didn't know that, but I, but I definitely remember, like, well, that's Eddie from Stussy. Like, it was yeah. one, that was your name as yeah. far as, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 it was even like going to the stores, like I'm gonna go see Eddie. Yeah. Go, right. Yeah. And so you definitely became that was your brand. 
Like, like, like that yeah, it wasn't really. My, I mean, it was, it was my store, you right. know. And it, you can, and if you wanted to come hang, you know, you knew where to find me. Right. So, and it was fun. Yeah. Like, like there was culture there. Like you know, that's how I met Adam. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you drew me. Adam. Adam walked in, and I told him, "When you hit 18, give me a call." <laughs> and he hit 18. He gave me a call, and I gave him a job. Nice. Isn't that how not, it went down? Not exactly. Okay, I don't remember. What, um, what, what, what was like? Oh, I, Edwin left. Okay. And he was like. Adam's gonna take my place, and you were like, "Okay, cool, cool. yeah." Was, so I met him when he was easier, like, but I was fifteen. Right. If you yeah. know anything about him, going, yeah, yeah, super advanced. Yeah. You know, he had a radio show like uh-huh. hip hop. I was like, "What? This white boy with like a <laughs> a hip hop radio show?" I, I just remember. Didn't, I just didn't get it. You yeah. know, like, but that's impressive, man. Fifteen yeah. years old, sixteen years old, high school radio show, like doing it. I think you were making tapes, right? I had some tapes. Yeah, not a lot. Yeah. So when I so when Union became its own thing, Union started to let me travel because yeah. I knew that, like, because of what was happening was like all like streetwear, like the PMB brands, like that became commercial. Yeah, um, fucked to a certain extent started to get commercial because these guys got to make money. Fresh Jive. Right. So I said, okay, let me check out London. I went to London. I found Silas. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's a. And I went to a store, I went to Duffer St. George store for the first time. And I was like, man, these guys have all these Nikes in here. I was like, what, what is going on? And then I just straight up asked. He says, well, you know, because I knew the guys that were like, Ed, whenever we go to L.A., what do you think we're doing? We're just buying all your shit. Not our shit. Right, like right, just right. going to mom and pop shops around yeah. L.A., yeah. buying sneakers to complement their brand in L.A. And that just lit up. That just put a light, like a light bulb went off in my head. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I started to do the same thing because I learned that Nike um, was had regional programs. So right. in other words, New York got specific stuff just sure. for New York. Chicago got specific stuff just for them. And the stores that were selling them didn't know what they had. Right. And people like me and you and Adam didn't even know it existed. It wasn't right. being marketed to us. We were just seeking it out. And these guys had them on sale for nineteen ninety nine, dollars for like... You know the the first Michigan Dunks, the the first Celtics Dunks, the first Timberland Air Force Ones, the first high top Burgundies. Like I never thought I'd see a a Burgundy high top Air Force One. Bought that back. A chocolate like a like a brown high top Air Force One, um, and I put them in a showcase at Union. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just gonna mark these up high because I don't want them to sell. It's right. just here to complement the shop. Yeah. But first, second, third day. Yo, Ed, these are selling out. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? So that wow. that's really what that told me. Uh, what was missing was a shop like Undefeated, or at the yeah. time there was a store called North in New yeah. York, and there was also Rivington Club owned by the A Life Crew. Uh-huh. Uh, we were all in the same mindset. They got their stores open first, yeah. But I think we were, but it was all like brewing, like yeah. in the late '90s. Like you know? sneakers were becoming. Yeah, it, it was coming eventually. Sure. And then Undefeated yeah. finally opened in 2002. But in reality, like it really started at Union. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I did, which told me something was going crazy, was I was buying white and white Air Force Ones. I was mm-hmm. removing the swooshes. Mm-hmm. And I was putting fake Louis Vuitton and Gucci. Yeah, yeah. You were swoosh. doing that personally? I was doing that. Not personally, uh-huh. I'm sorry. But yeah, you had somebody. We had yeah. a cobbler do it. And we were marking them up to, I think, $350, yeah, yeah. bucks, And I was like what the hell is going on? You know, like this is meant just for flavor, you know, but people were feeling it and it just, it's, it was like a, 
you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not the originator of that. There's a guy named Dapper Dan mm-hmm. in New York who used to dress, you know, Mike Tyson and Eric right. Dean Rakim and that whole crew. Like, that's where that, that concept came from. Like, kids were, yes. like, 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 to, like they turning up, like, what they, what they had, you know. So, For sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, that's when I really became aware of sneakers. I mean, I, you know, we always wore sneakers, and you know, but it was like you didn't collect them, or you didn't like. Yeah, it wasn't like, like I remember. You just like you need some shoes, so you go get some stands or some shell yeah. toes or whatever, right? Yeah. But, but yeah, it was well. I'm I'm slightly younger, so I remember when like the Jordans came out when like. Right. It wasn't the ones for me. It wasn't. It was like a re- I, I had Jordan twos, yeah. but when the threes came out, sure. it was like every like I yeah. think I was in fifth grade, right? Yeah. And it was like a thing then. Well, that's when that thing go. really blew up. Yeah. Well, but that's in 1985. But that was different though. I'm saying like the retros. You got the right, retros. The, no, I was in fifth grade. Oh, okay. I was yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was kid okay. sizes. Okay. I had to go that find a sense. size six, yeah. uh-huh. and like we you had to look everywhere for yeah. them, and every all the kids had them. But like no one, like they were all wearing them. No, yeah. they, there, there wasn't the like I'm gonna put these on ice or I'm gonna yeah. get two pairs. That's the thing. Know. Like I, I mean, you know, I think sneakers were always important, but it was like, and especially when when Jordan sort of made. But I think like sneaker culture, like yeah. for me at least, that started really when I saw the Air Force ones with the Gucci swoosh. With like, the Gucci swear, with the yeah, like, or the Louis, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Like, like it was like, oh shit, somebody, yeah, like that's art. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't think I would have used that term at the time, but yeah, but I, yeah, I, I think that the the culture probably happened ten years after that. Well, I think it's the the generation sure. that came like after me that like where there was the Nike talks where they could right. really like yeah, where, where sure. it was kids that would match like like crazy match. Yeah. Like the sneakers yeah. to the hat to this yeah. where um where I think what we were doing it was just like an extension of our of our like childhood of trying to be fresh whereas I mean at yeah. least so so I I was 14 yeah. in San Francisco and this kid drug dealer kid at my school had yeah. a uh had a Louis jacket and you know kind of like a letterman but it was all Louis mm-hmm. and so I went into the Louis Vuitton store at Union Square, yeah. and the lady, you know, snooty lady comes up to me. I'm like, yeah, let me see the jacket. She's like, we don't make clothing. Mm. I'm like, yeah, you do. There's a kid in my school that has it. Like, I had no idea that it was bootleg, and yeah. she was just like, you know, at the time, this is 83 or oh. 80, like they're selling bags. Yeah. And they, they didn't have any clothes, yeah. you know. She looked, she looked at me like I was crazy. Mm. And uh, it, it wasn't until years later that I realized that whole thing was going down. Yeah. So funny. So where the where the idea for undefeated come from? Um, well, the inspiration came from the money factor. Yeah. Um, and there being a void in the market. Right. And you know me wanting to to be the first one in LA to 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 facilitate, but I, I just didn't understand the game. Like I didn't deal with Nike. I didn't like because when you so the thing with Nike is that's a corporate thing. So even right. though we got this cool thing going on, carrying all the dunks we want. And all the Air Force Ones that we're buying from the mom and pop shops, like Nike, brands like Nike didn't understand yeah. like what was going on with us. They're like, what do you mean you wanna curate a wall and you're gonna play hip hop and and the, the the staff is gonna wear you know, dress the same and if there's a hip hop culture attached to it or a 
whatever whatever kind of music you were into. Like it was a it was quite a battle actually. Yeah. You know. Like, so you like, had to go up and pitch them. I had to do a song and dance. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and basically, Nike said no. Like I wanted it. I wanted a Nike account in 1990. 19 excuse me in two th- in the year 2000. 99, okay. 2000. Begging, and they were like, no, we're not going to open you. They just didn't get it. You know. So I yeah. got a little bit bummed out at that. Um, but then a store called K-Bond opened. Right. You know, who's currently my, the owner of that store is currently my partner and Undefeated. Yep. He had a Nike account. And okay. I was like, what the hell's going on here, yo? You know, and I had, K-Bond was not really, wasn't really streetwear. It, was it wasn't like, really street. It was, uh, I thought it was, it was quite advanced. Yeah. I think it was, it was like a the, curated shop. It was a well-curated shop. Was, but it right. was a yeah. different. Ahead, way ahead of its time. Like yeah. K-Bond was way ahead of its time. Because if you go to Paris and you see Colette, and all that stuff, like, those guys have taken it to the next level. I believe if K-Bond would have stuck it out, sure. uh, they probably would have been on that level today, and they probably <coughs> would have a bunch of these stores, you know. Mm-hmm. But Nike was attracted to it, you know, Nike. And so they started selling them, like, the Air Wovens. This is when Nike started to get experimental. Mm-hmm. You know, they started working with guys like Hiroshi Fujiwara uh, and the president of Nike, Mark Parker. Like, he's really into this culture, you know. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I heard he has a house just for his collection of toys, art, and no sneakers. No way. Is that right? Next to his house. That's crazy. You know, so um, that's how crazy he is into it. Yeah. So, yeah, that put it in my head. And then me not getting the Nike account but having the space available, I met uh, James Bond and his wife uh, at this barbecue I was at. I was like, yo, son, I got this idea. We should do it. I want to do a sneaker shop. You know how to do that song and dance. Like he was really good at talking to corporate corporate America. Yeah. But dude like me, forget about it. You know. Right. So he said, "Sure, let's do it." And that's how Undefeated. You know, that that was like the inception of Undefeated. Nice. Yeah. So what have you learned about having a partner along the way? <laughs> it's like like uh, if you could go back then. Yeah. Yeah. Would like would you set things up differently or? Uh no. No, I mean, I mean, I've always had partners. I, yeah. I actually like having partners. You know, you, you get to split the responsibilities. Uh, you divide and conquer, same thing. But um, yeah, you just you just have to learn how to. You definitely have to learn how to work. You know, with with the, with a partner because it's basically like being in a marriage. Right. Essentially, you know, you have a. It's like you're you have this corporation, and our corporation says Eddie Cruz and James Bond are. Our partners, right. same thing as a marriage certificate. Sure. So you just find a way to make it work. And, yeah. uh, and so, how do you do that now? Like, how do you split up? Uh, like, who does what? He he I, he pretty much handles all the creative stuff. Okay. You know, um, I'm more on the operational side, yeah. and probably more of a face. You know, like I'll go out and, you know, like I'll like I'll go to dinners and I'll go uh-huh. to events and I'll show my face and I'll make friends and I'll. Bring, you know, I'll, I'll make collaborations happen, and then I'll hand it over to, to James. I mean, he does things like that as well, but he's a family man with two yeah. kids, so he doesn't have as much time. But So that's pretty much, like, how it goes down. I'm pretty much like a face, wouldn't you say? Yeah. You know, I mean, I work. You're the mascot. I work, but, you <laughs> yeah, know, sure. but I mingle right. as well, you know, and that's yeah. a big part of, like, the business. You know, that's like, like, like going back to, like, living, you know, like living my lifestyle through my business. Yeah. You know? Sports. Sports were always a part of your life. Yeah, too, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I'm a, of, I'm a sports like me and James, like James and I, we're the biggest sports nerds okay. you'll ever meet. Yeah, we we live and die by our teams. For me, it's the Lakers now, and okay. it's anything LA. But at, in the past, it was Yankees and it was the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, for James, he's from Philly, 
I mean, homie throws like shoes at the flat screen while he's watching the Flyers, the Eagles, oh, or the 76ers. So what Undefeated was, was like basically everything points to James and me. Two guys that are into sports, um, uh, two guys that understand music, culture, and art, and fashion. So yeah. hence the name Undefeated, you know? I mean, I feel like Undefeated, you guys really brought sports kind of to the forefront, like in that in that street culture, yeah, right? Like, you know, obviously with Supreme Skating, you know, had, had yeah. a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, and with Stussy, you know, surfing. Yeah. But like mainstream sports, basketball, you know, other than the shoes, yeah. like that, it's not really, it's kind of been a separate thing. Right? Yeah. And, and you guys really brought that together. Do you think that... Well, we wanted to bring, basically, it was easy, you know, and this is a big part of streetwear. In streetwear, you do parodies, mm -hmm. you know, so it, wa it wasn't hard to, like, take the Yankees logo, like the Yankee script, and write undefeated in the mm -hmm. Yankee script. And, mm -hmm. you, know, sim you know, it's like simple techniques like that that were getting over. You can't do that today right. because they have, like, internet police. Right. <laughs> uh, but back in the day, you could do whatever you want. For sure. You know? like, it, was, it was like everything was out there for the taking. It was awesome. Yeah. But yeah, we you know we we pick sports as a lane and a yeah. foundation for like what the brand undefeated was going to stand for. We wanted to be the alternative to like a Foot Locker, sure, or a, a Nike, or yeah, a, yeah. you know like we wanted to do what they couldn't do. So know? how soon did you know that you had something? Um, I felt like the first day because uh, we had a line outside. It yeah. was like unbelievable. We were getting incredible press. All these magazines were hitting us up for uh, interviews. Um, and I'm pretty oblivious to all that stuff, like like chat rooms and like I don't really pay attention to to like what's being said. I just right. do the work. Yeah. I really do. Like I don't read much yeah. about stuff. You know, I didn't read anything. I mean, I know who you are, but uh -huh. I didn't listen to your show. I was like, let me just go on and flow. And cool. that's just kind of how I'm I'm doing. You know, that's just kind of how I'm like I go about my business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. But you can feel it on the street. Yeah, you could feel it on the street, like they, you know, like I, it's funny because now I'm an OG, and uh, or actually I'm a double OG according to like some of the little kids. Um, That's right. Um, you know, um, even though I'm my age, and I'm not going to tell you my age, but you got to know it's around fifty. Sure. All right. I mean, Whoa. I've been relax. Right? I said it's around fifty, so that it could be, could be you're younger than fifty. It could be older than fifty, but right. um, I've always managed to keep my eye on the ball. Um, I have friends who are 40, I have friends who are 30, I have friends who are 20. Yeah. And I make it my business uh, to make that kind of stuff happen, but in, or, in an organic way. Like, we got to get along. Yeah. You know, but it just keeps me on, on my toes. Um, I'm, I'm very interested in youth culture always. Um, mm -hmm. I'm always, like, mentoring kids. I think that's super important, especially the 20-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, and what I like about this generation, this 20-year-olds, even though you hear people saying, oh, the millennials are... Like they're they're just so entitled, but I've met a lot of kids who aren't like yeah. that. You know, I've uh, met yeah. a lot of kids Me who are quite nostalgic, yeah. and they want to know like, hey, how did this? Like, tell me about the '80s. You know, what is Face Magazine? What is <laughs> Metropolis Magazine? How did you know? People don't know. Uh, Interview Magazine was started by Andy Warhol. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So, I, I love pre uh, like preaching, not preaching, but mentoring kids like that. You know, so. I think that's why I've managed to just kind of like stay around. Yeah. You know, just uh, keeping an open mind. I still go to Coachella, the oldest yeah. guy on the, the lawn, potentially, but I'm not because I've seen some no, of the dudes. No, you're not. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So I, and then obviously, so that was 2000? Undefeated Open in, undefeated open in 2002. Okay. Yeah. So but the idea was brewing right, right, right. In, two, in 99 and 2000. Yeah. It's just we weren't getting an account. Sure. From Nike or Adidas, like they didn't understand. Like I said, they just didn't understand what was going on. They were right. coming in Union, like saying, like, "What? Are you, where are you getting the sneakers?" I'm like, "I'm getting them at these shops that have them on sale for 19.99." Yeah. But we're putting them in an environment that's really fucking cool, yo. Yeah. Can't you see this? But at the time, you know, you just—it's just a bunch of salespeople that you're dealing with. They're wearing suits and ties. Right. It's not like they just don't get it. It's not like swagged out kids coming in sure, repping the course, brand like yeah. it is now. But back in the day, it was like two—you know—suit and tie kid, two yeah. suit and tie guys, not really understanding the culture and really not understanding how could you sell that dunk, which should retail for like eighty-five dollars for three hundred bucks. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because guys yeah, yeah. like Zach Della Roca was coming and going, what? You know, Nike makes uh, right. white and you know Celtic green dunk. I was like, yeah, but they're not. They weren't available at Nike Town. They were right, just selling right, right. them to these yeah, mom and pop shops. You couldn't get them shops. at Foot Locker either. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we introduced. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not here to name drop, but like Pharrell, like would come in and 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 you know when when for what I would do. When we first opened up undefeated, like a big part of the game was trading. Yeah. And I was telling you there was a regional program, like London had what they had, right. Japan had what they had. So what all the stores started doing was we were like, okay, cool. Nike just sent us these twelve wheat Air Force Ones. We want those uh East Indie mm-hmm. what a, the West Indie Air Force One from New York. So you trade mm-hmm. and then you could charge a premium yeah. because, yeah, you, because you, you got get you fly to New York. And right. there is no internet. You can't buy it on the web. Right. You know? So um So talk about how how they I mean obviously that game's changed so much. Yeah. We just we had Josh Luber on the show, you know Josh. He just started StockX. Did I go did we go to dinner with him? Mm, no, he's the uh Campless is his other It's business. it's like the what the So it's a the it's rating a, system for sneakers. Yeah, so, and then StockX yeah. is is a trading app. Wow. So it's a he calls it the stock exchange for Smart. for sneakers. Yeah, good for him. Right. And so uh, but I say just like that. Obviously, that game has changed so much. Yeah. Right. Nike gets it now. And yeah. I think so does everybody else yeah. to some extent. Yeah. Um, and you know, you guys have inspired the next generation. Yeah. Of entrepreneurs, stores. Yeah. You know, labels, whatever. Yeah. yeah. To do their thing. So, how is that different? How's the game different now? And and how have you adapted? Um, I mean, right now, how we adapted. I mean, there's definitely a problem in the in the sneaker community, uh, and the problem is it's it's a bit of an oversaturated market. Sure. And I think the reason for that is that there's too many collaborations going on. Yeah. You know, and then you have all these brands that were amazing in the '80s, like Pony, Fila, right, Asics, Diadora. Yeah. Like now they're all coming back Somebody and they figured it out. Yeah. Like they've like figured out better technology. Right. You know, like how to make their shoes look more fresh. And yeah. so it's just a saturated market now. And there's like 20 collabs a week. So right. a collab isn't even special anymore. So I think, you know, that, that kind of stuff worries me. Yeah. You know, um, luckily, like with the with Jordans, um, you know, that's that's something that people still cherish and collect. And when you buy right. them, you actually buy them to wear. Yeah. You know, so how have we adapted? Sorry, let me go back to your question. Um I don't know. We've just gone with the flow. Uh, we've learned that you need to drop something special once a month, whether it's a sneaker 
or garments, mm-hmm. you need to do something special. And, and it doesn't have to be a collaboration with another brand, but you know, you could work with a brand like, let's say, Alpha Jackets or Majestic, who, you know, like they, yeah. they do like all the yeah, yeah. baseball stuff. Um, that's what kids are becoming, a, a, you know, like this is, this is what they become accustomed to. Right. Like everything's a collab. Everything has to be special. Sure. You know? I think the way you guys adapted is you created a brand as opposed to just a store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we created a brand out of, out of necessity. Is that right? Because in the sneaker industry, in the beginning, you can get any kind of markup you wanted, like a 2.5. And if you don't know retail, if you, you know, usually you work off of a keystone markup. Mm-hmm. And a mm-hmm. keystone markup means you pay 50, you charge 100, and you hope and pray that you sell every single unit. If not, right. you're left with dead stock. And yeah. in the sneaker industry, if you're left with dead stock, you can't, it's like spoiled milk, you know? So out of necessity, we had to create a brand. To kind of balance things out because sure. as the market got more saturated you couldn't sell that sneaker with for a 2.5 or triple markup you have to sell it for the suggested retail right, right. pay 50 excuse me pay 50 charge 95 dollars, and that just isn't enough of a markup sure. to support whatever a store needs to like like help it be financed you know yeah um so we created a brand so that we can get our own markup and that's how the brand was developed yeah you know that's why why that's why we did it interesting yeah I mean, we were looking at Foot Locker. I mean, there's a reason why Foot Locker has Foot Locker underwear, T-shirt, socks. Because right. trust me, they're not making it. Like, they're making it on the volume right. side. But the money, the real money is in all the product that you sure. see their logo on. But the Nikes bring people into the store. Nike right? drives people in. Right. You hope to sell Nike, but you also hope that they buy a bunch of your gear. Yeah. And that's that's a nice balance. And we've been lucky. Yeah. Like, like where people come in and buy sneakers and they buy T-shirts and baseball caps and fleece sure. pieces, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems, you know, it. well, you know, at Foot Locker, that stuff seems like an afterthought. You know, at Undefeated, I don't get that. Like, yeah, you know, it seems like there's as much, and I know you guys carry some other, you know, I know there's Bape in the store yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to, I mean, you know, how am I adapting? That's that's one of the ways I'm adapting. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I keep saying, yeah, we're the alternative to Foot Locker. Okay, then we need to be more multi-branded. Sure. So what I want to do is, like, I'm bringing in, I brought in Bape. Um, a lot of people may not like it, but a lot of people love it. And it's a triple markup and it's money in the bank. You right. know, it's like just good business. Yeah. And it definitely, it definitely, it, it hits a market. I would say it's an 18 to 25 year old kid that goes nuts over it. You know, that's crazy. Um, that I've added a kids that age are spending that kind of money. Yeah. Like kids today are not afraid to spend $300 on a hoodie as long as the quality is there right. and the status is there. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. It's more about the status than anything. Status, but, but kids also appreciate quality. And, you know, a lot of these kids, like, they don't own homes. Right. They don't have car payments. Um, you know, so they save their money to look to look fresh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. That's hard to imagine. Although now at, at this age, like, I feel like anything I buy, I'm probably going to have it the rest of my life. Because I don't wear clothes out. You know, I don't wear shit out. And, yeah. and I'm not buying stuff that's, like, yeah. going to be out of style next season. Yeah whatever so it's just i've found that in the recent years it's like it especially like i buy some jeans like these are gonna last me 20 years yeah and i'll be just as happy with them then yeah and it changes your perspective a little bit on yeah i think as you get older you adapt the uniform yeah and it may you know life just becomes easy and for sure but that's not you know like i don't sell the market i i don't sell to people my age no of course you know i sell i would say it's like 16 to 35 yeah you know so but for me, I pretty much just rock the same uniform. Right. I just rock Jordans, Converse, and that's it. 
just those those two things. Yeah, you don't wear your own product. Uh, not not much. No. no, I feel like I feel weird wearing my own product. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wonder like how how important is that? Like you you know, if you talk to people in the like with the the athlete endorsements, right? Everyone says, well, that shoe didn't sell because because he didn't wear it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm. I'm viewed. I'm not like a, I'm not like a, a social media icon, sure. like that. Where where if I wear something, a kid is gonna want to wear it. So right. we hope that cool kids on social media want to wear it, and then they post it. And then unfortunately, that is the game that we're playing today. So how much of that is your business? Like, how are you actively trying to engineer that? Yeah, I mean it's a. Yeah, as far as like Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, just getting getting whether it's celebrities or you know, yeah, or well, influencers we have a, we, yeah. wearing your product. We have a seating list. Okay. You know, so yeah, we definitely send packages out to yeah. certain athletes, certain rappers, singers, yep. actors, uh, or even influencers. You okay. know, just people who are just like considered fashion icons. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. hope that they Instagram, and if they do, you know, it, it drives traffic, but. Undefeated, like we're an established brand, like we're really lucky. Next year will be our 15th anniversary. Uh-huh. Um, we have an established clientele, and they've they've been growing with us. Yeah, you know, and as they grow, their kids get old enough to understand who we are. Right. Um, and they're the ones that we have to adapt to and make sure, sure our, on a tech, like on a digital level, that we're on point. Right. You know, I think that's the most important thing: just adapting and modernizing. And if you, because if you don't, in this day and age, you're really in big trouble. Well, that seems so hard in 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 the in the fashion business, right? To you know, just the swings between what's cool and what's not cool, and yeah. you know, the fact that something was cool yeah. a couple of years ago makes it sometimes yeah. not cool. Yeah, and I like, think everything now is moving way faster than it's ever it ever. Sure. Has. Yeah, I mean, and it's and and like the sneaker industry, the the streetwear industry, or whatever you want to call it, is a saturated market again. Yeah. Um, like it was a dream for kids, like brands like uh, let's say Diamond, uh, Crooks and Castles, all that stuff, like right. that. That phase, Huff. yeah, like that, like Huff and all that stuff. Um, if they got a rapper to wear it, right, uh, that was a big deal to brands like that. You yeah. Know? Um, but now rappers are realizing they can't make money right. selling music because everyone's downloading music, so they need to create brands. Yeah. You know, like Drake has a brand called OVO. Yep. You know, ASAP Rocky has a brand called Belong, uh-huh. um, and they're they're killing it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So. So how does that? Is there a, is there a competitor that that has changed the game for you? Um, no, nah, not really. I know, like we like at our office, we really try not to look at what anybody else is doing. We keep our blinders on and yeah. and just try to do everything from a feeling, which I think is super important. Yeah. You know? Do like, you know, whatever you're experiencing in life, whatever, you know, if you just got back from Paris, you could, you know, you just come back all fired up and you, 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 know, you just come up with something, you know? Yeah. We just dropped the, we just dropped the dunk last Saturday. Okay. And, um, you know, did you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did this dunk. It's called the night. It was like uh, commemorating the 30th anniversary of the dunk. Um, take a look at it online if you want, undefeated.com. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, we did a pop-up shop for it. Uh, we collaborated. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, we collaborated with uh, Digital Domain. Okay. Um, they were down with the concept. They gave us all the technology. I don't know if you got to go in and check I it out. I didn't go in. But it was pretty cool. We got this basketball player named Pat the Rock, and he's, he's like a world-class crazy di- dribbler. You put on the goggles. 
we got a musician or this electric. Uh, how would you categorize what No Such does? Electronic. Yeah, electronic uh-huh. music, like in the headset, and then you're basically experiencing this uh, 360 degree uh, experience. Right. Of, like this guy, like coming up to you, dunking. Yeah, um, that's that, cool. That, yeah, we sold every single piece. Right. Like it takes a lot now to 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 sell a lot. Yeah. Like it, you know, I never thought I'd have two in-house photographers, uh-huh. a programmer, a person that cleans up my photographs, my own photo studio. I was like, what? Like you. Yeah. But if you want to compete and do it right, you know, the the, the quality level needs to be high. Yeah. The comp like competition is stiff. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. And then at the same time, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, that how much influence the magazines had, which seems to have diminished. Yeah, but w- with that being said, I'm seeing a little bit of a resurgence in terms of like zines coming out. Oh, really? I'm liking that too. Like, I don't okay. know if you're seeing that, Adam, but um, there's a lot of zines out there now. Um, I, I see that more as like art and expression as opposed to like. I don't think kids are, are looking for zines for, like, to find style. You know what I mean? No, I think no, there's no, like no. A little absolutely not. It's it. not, they're not, when I say zines, they're not lookbooks. They're yeah. just zines with, like, with a vibe, you know? Right. Um, you know, we, we made one. Yeah. Uh, Supreme just opened up a store in Paris a few months ago, and that's one of the, the gifts that they gave away. They gave away zines, uh-huh. which is kind of saying something. It's just, like, cassette tapes. Sure. You know? like, yeah, cassettes. I'm noticing... Sir. Like, a lot of people are feeling cassette tapes. And I was yeah. with my boy last night. And I was like, yo, like, but what are they playing it on? He says, oh, they're buying vintage yeah. boom boxes. Or they put it on their desk. Like, it's a yeah, it's yeah. A, art. Yeah. Stuff. And, but, but my friend also told me that vinyl's getting really expensive. Well, you can't make vinyl. Is that, is that what's Well, that's on? a problem. Like, you can't get vinyl made because okay. all, the, all the presses are backed up. Yeah. Because all the presses are 40 years old or gotcha. whatever, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, the cassette thing. I mean, I just got the Bobito thing with the that's cassettes dope. in it. That's and, dope. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch that documentary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We awesome, had him on the man. show, him and Stretch. Really? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, it was great, right? Incredible, man. Yeah. Really, like, brought me back. Kind of got a little emotional. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, man, because that was, they absolutely captured what the hell, like, what was going on in New York City in early to mid-90s. Yeah. Like, like no one else, because they actually lived it. Right. Like, those guys, like. Yeah, for sure. Like, they had that show, and they lived it, they created it, and they didn't even know what they were doing. Like, they were just. Like I said, like they were just living their lifestyle, just kind of doing what they like, and and organically, shit just starts to pop off. Right. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, it's I firmly believe that. Like, if you if you just have that mentality, like doing what you love, um, you know, just kind of like create something that you could make a living off of, where you could not where you don't compromise your lifestyle, keep it organic, keep it real, um, it'll start to pop off. Yeah. You know. So when you go to stuff, you're talking about. Earlier, you know, going to Coachella. Yeah. Um, how much are you paying attention, like, whether it's the fashions out there or, like, you know, how much are you being influenced? Um, honestly, like, at Coachella, um, that, that I, I definitely don't go there, for, like, for the fashion experience. I, I get what's going on. Like, I'm reading, like, oh, man, look what uh, Kendall Kardashian <laughs> was wearing versus... Uh, Taylor Swift, etc. Right. Um, I think that stuff is funny, but I really don't go there for that. You yeah. Know, I go there for, like we talked earlier, for the experience. It's like an sure. incredible uh, musical. It's like a, it's like a fantasy. It's like just an escape right. from reality. You know, for like four nights. Yeah. 
you know, if you get if you go Thursday, if you're a yeah, diehard, yeah. you go Thursday nights, you don't miss nothing. I think we're gonna start going. Uh, we might start going Wednesday. Yeah, man, do it right to beat the traffic yeah, and, and the drama of getting the tickets and all that stuff. Yeah, but um, I but but I'm not. But I do get to see kids. You know, there are some stylish kids like at the ASAP Rocky mm-hmm. um, um, set. Like kids were definitely conscious of what they were wearing. For sure. You know, there's a lot of Jordans. There was a lot of slim jeans all ripped up and right. tucked in and stuff like that. But that I've already seen. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that doesn't really inspire me. So that's I wonder. Are you conscious of because, you know, what you see then influences your. The, the it does, but it doesn't. I think you have to stand for something. Yeah, you're just wearing what somebody. He's just told wearing you with someone like a what? A, pardon? Wearing a costume. He's wearing a costume. He's yeah. wearing what someone on social media probably told him to wear. What they yeah. saw, like it's not a real lifestyle. Sure. You know, so it doesn't really inspire us. So, so what about you, Adam? How do you how do you sort of curate your influences? When we talked before, you know, about the the music uh, influence I'm, I'm, on you, but yeah, I mean, I guess. My my influences are more music, and I mean, I hope if I look back at my like last twenty years of what I worn, it was mostly jeans. You know, I I also. Well, I'm talking about what you design. Oh, um, I don't know. I try to do what feels right. You okay. know, like. Um, I guess I'm wondering: it's is it a conscious thing for both of you? Like you're out in the world and you're seeing. New yeah, shit, but right? it's how and, do you make it you? And it's how do you filter that, right? Is that a conscious thing for you? Like, you know, you said, like, you know, you go to Paris, you know, you're going to come back different than yeah. when you left, right? Yeah, like when I went to Paris this trip, I came back with the feeling of, you know what? It's important to acknowledge fashion yeah. in streetwear or, in, you know, street culture clothing brands. Yeah. You know, you have to acknowledge it. I noticed Ducey's doing it. Um, if you look at Supreme, they're definitely acknowledging like high fashion. Right. You can't pretend it's not there. And in the end, whether you call it streetwear, sportswear, or whatever wear, it's still fashion. Yeah. It, it was it was designed by a designer. You know, like that's that's just that's just the name that they just yeah. that's just yeah, the category they put it in the streetwear. Sure. You know, but um, like right now, that's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like uh, you have to acknowledge fashion a little bit, and I think there's a way to do it in a subtle way where you're not going too like overboard yeah you know and you could do that with colors you could have a dope simple like skate looking coaching jacket but you could do it in a popping color like uh-huh. a cool fashion color like a, the perfect pale yellow or the perfect infrared pink or yeah. you know whatever yeah so you could acknowledge it in in subtle ways i think it's also at least me with like art stuff yeah. um it's it's about editing, you know, once you get those influences, it's knowing like, you know, what to what to sort of throw aside and be like, uh, oh, you know what, I like that because it's like kinda cool now, but a year from now it might not you know, it might not pop the same way it does now. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff that, that really like makes sense for you know, the brand I'm I've never for. regretted uh not jumping on a trend. You know, you have to you have to stand for something. You have to have you have to have your foundation, and you have to stick with it. But acknowledge that times change. You know, mm-hmm. so through the digital age, you have to make sure that that stuff is up to par. Right. Um, and like I said, fits fits. You definitely have to acknowledge how fits change because that does happen. Sure. Um, but in the end, you really just have to like undefeated. We're a sport thing. 
we're not going to be we're not like we're not going to stay literal to it. We're going right. to evolve a little bit, but um, we'll we'll we're, we're we're starting to acknowledge fashion a little bit. Okay, you know, so and and by by popping colors into things, you yeah. Know? So yeah, yeah. What um, what do you think you sacrificed that maybe you weren't expecting to? I'm gonna cry, bro. <laughs> no. Um, we, we, well, the, the we what I said. Sac- have no, we no, had no, anyone no, cry? I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna <laughs> cry. But if you want to know, sacrifice-wise, like me moving to LA, yeah. definitely, you know, um, that was a sacrifice. That was me leaving my mom and my dad and my brother and my entire family behind. Like that was. Yeah. Like the last day I was in New York, it was like a big like huddle of like just crying and crying and and you know you're Puerto Rican and this is your mom and your mom, like everybody's mom is special, but yeah. you know, that was, that was like the, the, the hardest part of, of just being away from my family. That sure. was the sacrifice. You know, I, I would say it was worth it because I feel like a lot was accomplished and a lot of people did get inspired and, um, but you know, you miss out on those, those, those years, you know? Yeah. So you have to go back as much as possible, but you know, it, it flies, man. Yeah. So, for me, that was that was a sacrifice. If if that's what you were yeah, getting at, absolutely. In terms of okay. absolutely, yeah. yeah, I'm always curious what those what the trade offs are. Yeah, right? like, yeah, yeah. For me, it was yeah, like like just leaving my family behind. Yeah, you know? and I don't mean that literally. I'm just yeah. saying I physically left the For state. Sure. Imagine being in a state with I with no family members. That's whack, right? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine yeah. if your dad, if you didn't have access to yeah. your dad, you know, like, yeah. you could call him, but. It's just uh, like that. That sucks. I have to say that that sucks. Yeah. You know. And and where do you think? Like, do you feel like you've made it? Is there is there? Are you always just focused on the next thing? I'm always focused on the next thing. I think I'm gonna keep moving, keep going until the wheels fall off. Yeah. You know. Is there um, something? Is there some goal that you feel like? Yeah. That's the. The ultimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've always been interested in the music industry. Okay. Um, I know it's a tough industry um, from a business perspective. Sells clothing. Pardon me. Sells clothing. But it sells clothing. So I, you know, I have right now I have the opportunity to work with this record company called Timetable Records. Okay. They're under Innovative Leisure, um, and I don't work and I don't get paid for. Th- I mean, I'm at meetings, but I'm not getting paid. Yeah. But it's just uh, I'm just kind of like mentoring. And like teaching the art of branding, nice. Like how you know it's important to like get from underneath your 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 turntable and like put your face up front. And you know uh, musicians have a lot; more, they have to offer more now. You know, so I think that I can help like in that way, and I'm very interested in that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like at this last Coachella, I was backstage, and for me, like that was a big like. Right. Oh my god, I made it backstage. I'm on. I'm backstage. I'm on the fucking stage, yo. And uh, do you like, want to grab the mic? And no, like, I don't want to grab the mic. But I, but I just found myself like, man, I'm, I, I'm seeing how this shit goes down. You know, Todd, right? Yeah, like Todd was there too, and I'm like, Todd, this is like a dream. You don't understand what's going on right now. You know, yeah. in my mind. So, like, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. That's cool. Yeah. So That's I have that going on as like something else that I'm doing. And um, I, start, I just started a, a new company called UNDD. Okay. It's affiliated with Undefeated, but it's going to be everything pertaining to feet. So we're going to start doing footwear, oh, but no not shit. sneakers, though. Yeah. We're just going to do like house slippers, slides, okay. uh, and an extensive sock program, well-packaged. Nice. Yeah, so that's like a big focus right now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
That's very cool. Yeah. So what do you, as a mentor, what are you teaching? What are the big lessons that somebody gets from you? <clears throat> well, when I talk to the kids, like, I'm like, well, first off, ask me whatever you want. And they all seem to be curious about, like, like how did it start? Uh, I love, like, basically I tell kids here, watch, watch New York 7-7. You know, that's a movie that you could, you know, you ever, it's a, is it Downtown 77? It's basically this documentary on, like, the hottest year uh-huh. in New York, literally. Uh-huh. Uh, they were, like, they were blackouts. Yeah, was, yeah. All this shit was going down. But it's when hip-hop and punk, right. like, started, like, that's when it all started to evolve. So I'll tell kids, yeah, go watch that movie. Go watch, watch Taxi Driver. Uh-huh. Watch Goodfellas. Watch, so I, I, I usually tell them to watch certain movies. And yeah. a lot of them, and I'm surprised, like 20 to 23-year-old, oh, I've seen it. I've seen it because their parents right. told them to yeah, watch sure. it. You know, Do like, you want to watch kids? Uh, I, I don't tell kids. I don't, I, don't, I don't consider kids, like I consider, like for me, it's like 70s and 80s movies. Yeah. Kids, kids uh, gives a pretty interesting glimpse into like sort of the, the mid '90s, yeah, New York, yeah, like skate, yeah. Oh, I saw it recently. And did you see they're doing a documentary now? Yeah, on the yeah. kids. Yeah. yeah, didn't they do it already? I think or it's they done. Maybe it's done. Money? I think they were done. I think they yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, you know, I tell kids, um, you know, take your time. Like I notice, like everyone wants it now. You know, they don't want to. I, I like a lot yeah. of these kids. Like they don't understand like the work that goes into it. Yeah. Um, I find like they, you know, said the instant gratification. For like, sure, they want the no, likes. No, son. Like I know you got the idea, but you know, ninety percent that that's ten percent. Right now, 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 make it happen. Work it out. Have a plan. So um, that's one thing that I find a little bit disturbing. Like a lot of kids, like they want it too quick. Yeah, you know, and yeah. when you don't, and when you come from nothing. You know, you really don't have that many shots, I think, you know, to like create a brand. Because once you create a brand, you, you know, your name, sure. and your face is identified with it. If it gets played out in a year or two, if it fails, it's really hard to regroup and start over again. Yeah. I mean, it's not impossible, but but really just stay grounded. Uh, uh, you know, do what you feel like doing. Create a create a strong foundation. Stand for something. Yeah. Don't stray away from that. Um that's so valuable. I mean, I think, you know, especially in in clothing, right? Like, you know, there's all these Instagram girls and they just, you know, put up something and sell a bunch of copies of it and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's 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 the way of the world. Luckily, there's a lot of smart kids out there too though that that know that that's all a farce. Yeah. You know. And yeah. but more power to those people who are able to like to expose themselves on the internet. And show sure. a piece and sell it. Like if they're doing it, it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's no skin off my back. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. but it but it but it uh, it can create a false sense, right? Yeah. That that you know, like that you're gonna be able to repeat that and turn that into a business. Yeah. When yeah, maybe yeah. you're not. Yeah, yeah. Like one T-shirt graphic isn't gonna do it. Right. You know. So. Yeah. Absolutely. What about you, man? Give us some updates. I know there's a new pollen video. We had Adam on new the show. Adam, it's been six album. months or something. I don't know. That's a whole other con- like music, music, and or how I sort of see music and releasing music in 2016. Yeah, it's like very different from when I started making music. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess I just want to release music. <laughs> like I don't want to create a brand. 
Like, I don't want to do the stuff that you're supposed to do. Because that's what I do for my regular job. Right. You know, so sort of this like music know, is isn't is like is my like escape. Well, the thing is, you have a day job. Yeah. You know, you're lucky. But yeah. there's like all these kids with a lot of talent. Yeah. Like, right. Say no such thing. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. all no such does. Yeah. So there yeah. has to be other elements. Yeah. There ha- you know? I mean, I need, you, you know. You need to tour. If you're not yeah. touring, you're not making any money. Because you're certainly not selling yeah. selling the records. And right. it sucks. And I'm not saying it's all about money. But let's face it. You have to feed yourself. You have of course. to roof over your head. And if you want to continue doing what you're doing in terms of music, you have to like you have to have some kind of a cash flow stream. Yeah. So that's why I've seen like a lot, like like all these people are doing brands, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we, I think the one like this 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 album that that we're putting out, um, because of you know I have a day job and I have other stuff that I do that like brings in income. I was like, all right, if we're gonna self release this, like I'm gonna get a PR person and I'm gonna get a, yeah. a radio person because if I just put it out there on my own, no one's gonna hear it. Right. At least it gives us a little bit more of a chance of like at least, you know, oh, maybe we'll get a license out of this or maybe, you know, the right person will hear it and be like, oh, I love this. Like, come produce my record. You right. Know? So, yeah, exactly. Um, that's allowed me to do it this way. Where in in the past, I think the, the last record we put out was like 2011, 2012. Um, for some reason, I didn't I, I probably could have done it then, too, but. The stars weren't aligned. I didn't. I didn't have enough uh, foresight to like before the record came out to actually like get the the people that that would do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was like, oh, I don't want to spend that much money because I spent money on getting the record mixed, you know, as opposed to. So, I don't know. It's it's talk to me in six months from now <laughs> about it. But um, I think it's a really good record. Yeah. Um, we were we were top tune of the day on KCRW. Nice for um, Dark Tokyo. We have um, this, uh, the another single just came out, and there's a Moody Man remix for that, which I think will be like a big deal for like dance in the in the dance world. People yeah, love Moody Man. So um, we've already were radio people in the UK are looking for pr- premieres for that remix, which is weird because it's like oh it's a remix and People want to hear it because it's Moody Man, not right. it's pollen. So I got yeah, to put but, my ego aside and be like, yo, that's part of marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Let it go. That's part of the game. You know, but I think we're we're up for like two like big premieres on on, you know, BBC radio. So, you know, I'm not gonna say no, but it's um you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Do you, is there like a side outlet for creatively for you? Is there or is it all in the business? Um, uh, my girl, my, I mean, my girlfriend is quite creative, so, um, I'm trying to manage her a little bit. Nice. She's an artist, you know, she paints, she does graphics for people. Um, like that's, that's a cool outlet, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Um, And like I told you, like working with the timetable kids. Yeah. 
Um, like that's that's just that's more of a passion project. Like if that's what you mean. Yeah. So like that stuff's you like got, you got sports. Oh yeah, I got sports, but you know, like yeah, I've always like played sports or gone to every like uh-huh. game or and stuff nice. like that. But but on the other stuff, it's really like that music yeah. stuff that I'm that that makes me happy. That's cool. You know, I love I love finding out about new shit. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about going to Coachella the both weekends. Yeah, yeah. First weekend you yeah. do the headliners, second weekend you do the in betweens. Right. And it's fun. It's a good idea, man. I think I'm gonna Yeah. Yeah. I regret I, I, I had I had like FOMO all weekend. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Funny. <laughs> nice. But thanks for being here, man. I appreciate you sharing your stories. Hey, you're very welcome. It's an amazing journey. Me. Yeah, thanks for having and, me. And uh um we always like to ask if you have a favorite DJ. Uh, in terms of like club DJ or yeah, uh, MC just, DJ, Let, any, let's think. Anybody that's oh, uh, I like this cat. I mean, no, I'm not gonna front, man. I really love Jamie XX. Okay, yeah, dope. Nice. Not, I mean, I was gonna say Brodinski as well, but uh, Jamie XX, like for me, is like one of the most exciting DJs. I love what he plays. I love that he acknowledges music from the 70s and 80s. Like he plays shit that I'm like, how does this 26 year old guy? dig into the crates and I'll see him play it on vinyl, you know, like every time he plays, I take the opportunity. So yeah. like right now I think he's like one of the best DJs in the world. Nice. Did you watch, were you at Coachella when XX played? No. Okay. Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, he turned it into a dance party. Yeah, yeah, like, That yeah. was one of the best concerts I've ever seen, but, but yeah, him, Brodinsky's probably like second okay. right now, you know. Adam, you want sorry, think, please. Yeah, I think I, you want to give I us an update? This. I know, but I mean, maybe there's a, uh, Give us an answer. We'll see if it's the same as your last I, one. I know. I think I said cut chemist. Um, I like there's a Jibo the pro oh, was like old school. Like, okay. yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, what I'm thinking of, like, stretch on, you know, I mean, I would say Moody Man, DJ Harvey, DJ you know, are, are, yeah. are both. And he's still doing it. Yeah. Are yeah. great. I, I tend to lean towards like sort of old, older, older guys that have like can play stuff that like. I've never heard, but is from the past. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, but I I think Jamie XX is really awesome. Yeah. Um, like, I, super entertaining. Yeah. Have you seen him live? I don't think I have. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, like, I don't think so. No matter what age, he'll he'll get you up. Nice. Yeah. I've always been a fan of like Gaslamp Killer. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, there's quite a bit. I like I like listening to music. So. To me, it's almost about the the, the, the selection. Yeah. yeah. I'm feeling yeah, like Dean sure. Blunt right now as an artist. Who is it? If you're curious. Dean Blunt? Dean Blunt. Yeah, I don't know Dean Blunt. Check that shit out, yo. Okay. We gotta look that up. Do you recognize me, girl? I phone you every night, girl. Don't recognize me, girl. I wanna fold you. Dean Blunt's good. I saw him live a couple of weeks ago at Echoplex. Okay. Was it smoky? It, yeah, he basically turns off the air conditioning, fills the room with smoke. You can't see anything around you. This guy's like more of like a performance artist. Oh, shit. Seeing him. Yeah. But he is it's just incredible. It's a British cat. Nice. You know? I, w- I highly recommend Dean yeah. Blunt. Yeah. We'll check that out. Yeah. Dope. From an artist's perspective. Yeah. yeah. So. Thanks, man.
Yeah, no, appreciate thanks, it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. What's uh, I, I think we know where to find undefeated, but um, anything we can promote? Uh, nah, you guys, you guys know what's up. I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna like see where the locations at, just go to undefeated.com. We have all the info there. How many stores right now? We have five in America, five in Japan. Wow. And then two web stores. We're opening in Phoenix in October. Wow. And we're opening a store in downtown LA next spring. Oh, cool. So we'll be at seven by next spring. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Cool, man. Well, thanks. Thanks, dude. For looking out. Appreciate, Appreciate you. Yeah, man. This is fun. Thanks, Adam. All right, all right. That was good stuff. I hope you liked it. I know I did. Hey, if you're into the sneaker thing, check out our episode with Ryan Babenzian, the founder of Greats Sneakers, and also Josh Luber, founder of StockX, the sneaker trading app that's blowing up online right now. Come back next week for more Rebel Radio. My guest will be DJ Spider. This dude is uh, not only very talented, but hilarious. So I think you'll like that one. And before I let you go, I got to pay some bills. So check this out from our sponsor, Wix.com. Wix.com is the best place to go to build your own website for your business, your portfolio, your artistic career, whatever your hustle is. You need a website and Wix.com is the place to make that happen. It's easy. It's fast. It's free. There's hundreds of designer made customizable templates And you can just drag and drop your images, your copy in there, and you're done. Wix.com, that's W-I-X dot com.